1: If everyone is doing it and everyone seems like it's going through that struggle, it's okay. But when you change your mindset and change that atmosphere, you start realizing that it's not okay and that's not normal.
0: Welcome to the Less Stressed Life Podcast, where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life, health, and happiness. Your host, integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler, helps health conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, onto the show.
2: You know, I've really spent some time reflecting on my own phases of burnout this year and past years, and I know I'm not the only one that has gone through or goes through these peaks and valleys. And while sometimes you need lows to appreciate the highs in life, some valleys are pretty difficult for both your mind and your body in a very literal physical way. This year, I'm feeling really pulled to help others work through burnout, nourish their adrenals, mind, body, and spirit, and have some incredible things in store to help you feel refreshed and renewed. I invite you to take my quiz, Are You Approaching Burnout?, to assess your stress resilience and find out more about how to help you overcome it. Go to kristabigler.com forward slash burnout to take that quiz. And it'll also be in the show notes. All right. Today on the Less Stressed Life, we have Jackie Johnson, who is a holistic brand strategist who founded Wild Lean Botanicals, Wild Lean Herbs, and Wild Lean Dreams Consulting. Through her businesses, she's created proprietary body care and herbal supplement products from homegrown clean ingredients she farms herself. Jackie's credentials also include a 15-year career in business, helping retail, hospitality, and fitness companies before striking out on her own luxury wellness products she wasn't finding in the marketplace. She brings a much-needed perspective to the beauty world by joining nature and business together to empower people inside and out, which is such a beautiful bio. Welcome, Jackie. Hello. Thanks for having me. So I think sometimes people say, how do you find these guests? And my favorite drug of choice lately for finding podcast guests is Clubhouse, which is this new social app. And I spent a bit of time when I first got on it. And then I kind of took like, you could spend a lot of time there. That is one of the negatives. But when I was first there, I was loving how essentially it was bringing me into conversations I wouldn't have the opportunity to meet those people if I wasn't in those rooms or in those conversations. It's just a drop-in audio app. So it's almost kind of like a live podcast, but there's no fast-forwarding. There's no stopping things. So anyway, Jackie was in a room. She was in a couple skin rooms and I was in skin rooms with some friends. And she dropped a little bit about her story. And I was like, whoa, I need this woman on the podcast to talk about one, her story, which is jaw dropping, and two, how she kind of got her way out of it. And three, now what has become Wildling Botanicals, which is not just some faint of heart thing. She's kind of all in farming, harvesting, making her own products. And so anyway, I thought it'd be a great fun story to talk about. So I'm so glad you are joining us here to talk about this today, Jackie. So that's really the background. Let's get into the story just right away. Will you tell us about... I know you had this business or retail or whatever career right before things happened with your health. So maybe you want to talk us through what was happening in life before your health decided it wanted to throw a tantrum and be front and center for you.
1: Oh my gosh, that's the best way to categorize it because I worked at a pharmacy, one of the large ones. (laughs) I worked at a pharmacy, I was at a community manager, regional level. So I worked at like 17 stores in three months. I was that person that you went to for retraining and who, you know, you went in for loss prevention. And I was that person. I was 20 years old. I'm literally living the life, newlywed, everything. I had the job everybody wanted. I had the income people wanted. I had the life people wanted. And then I had my health events. So as I'm living my greatest life, at least uh, what I thought at the time, I noticed I start having a little patch. I had a little patch rash. And I was like, okay, whatever. So some some hydrocortisone on it live my life, Um, it started spreading and then it got head to toe and it was on my face and then my hair fell out. I had 70% of my hair fall out and that was basically terrifying. And I don't even think that's the word even to use for it. It was catastrophic. Traumatizing. Self-esteem. Yeah, traumatized. And it's, it's so weird when I think about it and I look back at the pictures of where I was at, it took me from living my best life to taking me to the lowest part of my life. I was married. I couldn't touch my spouse. I couldn't touch him because my skin was so raw. I couldn't shower because it burned. And it was traumatizing, to say the least.
2: I have, I work with a bunch of skin issues, right? So I have to know a few more details. I want to know if you had skin issues earlier in life. And Mm -hmm. when you first started having the rash, that is the reaction we all have oh, it's just a little skin thing. Like we don't even realize it's anything. I wonder how long it took from it to go from a little thing, you're just using a little hydrocortisone or a steroid cream on to something that became much more severe. And what do you think created the severity, which is probably going to take us into the next pieces?
1: So I always had, I think, right when I got into that puberty stage and from the 13 to 14, i had always had a little rash, maybe a little on my neck or a little on my arm. So this was not new to me. Hydrocortisone, Elecon, all of those kinds of Eladel, all of those st- topical steroids were very common for me. It wasn't a big deal. And then it would just flare up and it would go away. Yeah, you know, flare up and go away. Mm-hmm. Um So at the, that time, I was like, maybe it's because of hormones, maybe it's the stress. I wasn't thinking it could be my diet. I didn't think that it could be my lifestyle. I was just like, okay, just slap some cream on it. So when it happened on my neck, I was like, oh, I've had this like five months ago. I'm going to put some hydrocortisone on it. If it doesn't work, I'm going to put some Elecon on it. And it'll be fine because in three weeks, it'll go away and I'll live my life. But within a week, I had head to toe rash and my hair was falling out. And it wasn't falling out a little, it was falling out rapidly. And I'm like, this is... Not the same. So I had a primary care. I already had a dermatologist. I worked at a pharmacy. So I'm talking to the pharmacist and I'm like, hey, do you think that I need a, a tier of topical steroids? They're like, yeah, I think you should do that. So I would go to dermatologist, talk to them. I was like, hey, maybe better methadone, the liquid, this strength, because I already had that knowledge. So I thought I had it in control. So in a week, when it got to that, and then I was using the topical steroids for another week and nothing was happening, I knew it was a whole nother issue that I had never experienced before.
2: Mm. Okay, so we've got our hair falling out. We went from little rash to big rash pretty quickly.
1: Oh, very rapidly.
2: Very rapidly. And you're throwing a lot of pharmaceutical stuff at it because you're there. You're living in there. Okay, so then what happens next? Because I want to know how that worked for you. How did the pharmaceuticals work for you? And then because I'm guessing you wouldn't be doing what you're doing now if there wasn't some major changes.
1: (laughs) Right, right. So it didn't work. It was crap. (laughs) Being honest, it was crap. It didn't work. The primary care was they were running blood panels by this time. They're like, maybe you have autoimmune disease, maybe you've been in contact with something. I mean, they ran, ran every single test, everything came up back above normal. Then my primary was like, there's nothing I can do for you. There's just nothing I can do. There's nothing clinically wrong with you. Same thing with the dermatologist. And You know, like I said, I'm living my best life, but I was in college at OU. I had a liberal studies degree. So I'm like, okay, well, now I have to look it up. If the professionals can't help me, I need to take different steps. And I changed my major completely to a research-based thing. And I started researching everything I could, anything and everything, day and night. And then within like three days, I fell into this holistic world that I never even knew existed. Like, I didn't even know that there was plant-based anything. I didn't grow up that way. And that was the pivotal change that changed my life, changed my life. I got into DIY. Lavender oil was the first thing that I, lavender flower, lavender oil. And it was like, okay, I work at a pharmacy. And the pharmacist was like, it doesn't hurt to try it. So I bought some lavender oil and I'm like, I don't know what a carrier oil is, but I could mix it with something, some cooking oil I think I cooked, <laughs> And I started slathering my body in it and I started noticing my skin wasn't burning within 24 hours. And it went so on and so forth that I'm like, okay, this hooky herbal stuff isn't hooky. It, it really was working. And that's how I evolved into the holistic world. Yeah. So my um, researching.
2: <laughs> how many years ago was this?
1: This was in oh nine. So I can actually tell you the month I got the rash. <laughs> mm. So September of oh nine, I had the head to toe rash. Mm. Um and then like within six weeks of just the little knowledge that I came upon, my skin was healing. It was healing and I was felt better. And then that was when I realized I'm like, I don't want to work at a pharmacy anymore. <laughs> mm. I don't want to work here. Yeah, And I ended up leaving that job as well. So,
2: um, And we don't have to go into the ins and outs, but I presume you gave us a little picture of, you know, you kind of found this whole other world and you were doing mm-hmm. some topical things. And I know with your herbal company now, I know you make skincare, so topical things, but you were probably also doing some internal things as well, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So when I stumbled upon the holistic world, it really was I was so far away from nature that I needed to get back to nature. Mm. So back to the roots. So I was doing the topical things Then I'm like, okay, if they can do this topically, maybe I should go to this farmer's market thing that they keep talking about in these articles. And I lived in California. I was in OC. I was in Orange County. That's why I keep saying mm. I live living my best life. You know, there's a farmer's market everywhere. There's farms that you can drive through and see. So I went there and I'm like, well, maybe I should start eating these leafy green things. You know, I didn't eat salad. I loved chocolate milk and brownies and all of those things. (laughs) So I started eating those things and I started seeing changes in my overall, like, oh, my stomach doesn't hurt. Oh, I'm not as hungry. Oh, well, maybe I should drink my water instead of drinking soda or drinking sweet tea laced in artificial sugars all the time. Mm -hmm. So that was the internal part. But the key part then was my mental state. I didn't realize that the job I had had put so much stress on my body. I didn't realize it until I started feeling better and then I started having more clarity of thought because I had more nutrients in my body. I was eating better. I didn't have the brain fog. And then I started diving deeper to, huh, this job I have could be killing me. And I was really at that point, I was like, you're not sleeping. How are you not sleeping? Why are you not sleeping? Why are you always working? Hmm, are you having a good relationship with yourself? Huh. Are you treating your body as well as you could? So the topical was the first part. The eating habit was the second part, but the third part was the holistically, not holistically, the whole part of my life wasn't fully connecting for the way I really wanted to live. Yeah. So that traumatizing event hit all of my areas of my life. And I think we negate that. We're like, Oh, what's just my gut? Or Oh, it's just my skin. But there has to connect full circle. It's all connected.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. So a couple of things you said there is that I would say a lot of us and I would, I don't know, you may know how to c- categorize. I've been thinking about this. I'm like recovering, trying to do everything person, you know? I mean, that's the mm-hmm. culture we live in. It's like, you should hustle, hustle, hustle and do all these things. And especially working in pharmacy, I'm sure that was part of, was part oh, of the culture. Yeah. And I appreciate that you brought in that you have to have proper mindset and mind-body relationship mm-hmm. and all these things. I also thought, if we also think to ourselves, how did we become, oh, maybe I should eat some leafy greens from... Because wow. guess what? You know what tastes great? Brownies and chocolate milk. Because you already said like, mm-hmm. those taste delicious. Like that's fantastic. <laughs> but there's a lot more color out there that we can consume. And so it's interesting to hear how we all come to this place. And at the very rate basis of it, certainly it's education, but we come to educate like, we only want to learn this, you know, and we learn it, sometimes we don't want to right? we come to these things often from desperation or inspiration. And in your case, like most of us, like me as well, in my health story, we go to things from desperation, because what we're doing is like, Hello, this isn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your body really loves to use your skin as a mechanism to let you know, as we tend to do more when it's our skin versus when it's an internal symptom that no one can see, right? You brought up, Oh, my stomach doesn't hurt. Like that wasn't an external thing that was bothering your day to day life. You know, it was but
1: you could kind of
2: shove it away, so to speak, right? Well,
1: we just We dismiss it because it's the norm. If you're around toxicity, it's the norm. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it's normal. Oh, well, your doctor says, oh, everyone goes through that. Everyone has doubt issues. Everyone goes through the, so I was in this, everyone, everything, the black community has this, this, this community has it oh, you have a genetic onset for diabetes, you have a genetic onset for thyroid. So this is normal for you. So that's the baloney that I was conditioned to believe even at 20 years old. So I'm thinking this is normal. You work at a pharmacy, you take pharmaceuticals, this is how everyone's living. And when I went through it, I'm like, not everybody's living like that. And even if everyone is, I don't want to live like that. (laughs) Like That's not sustainable for me. So I think a lot of it is conditioning that if everyone is doing it and everyone seems like it's going through that struggle, it's okay. But when you change your mindset and change that atmosphere, you start realizing that that's not okay. Yeah. And that's yeah. not normal. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Especially with the dead health, everybody's stomach hurts. Everybody gets a stomach bug. I hear it all the time. Everyone gets that. I'm like, I don't. They're like, what do you mean you don't get stomach bugs every six weeks? What do you mean you have regular bowel movements? And I'm like, yeah, I go three times a day consistently. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I go once a week. And I'm thinking, that's not normal. She's like, well, my doctor said it was normal. And I'm like, well, if you put food in, it has to expel Mm weight.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: You know, all of those kinds of things, it's not normal for us. But the majority of America and even in the world is that's the norm. Sickness is the norm.
2: Right. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up genetics too, because we tend to want to use that as an excuse or a pigeonhole. And I would say genetics can be empowering to let you know, or they can make you feel better. I mean, when I realized my genetics, my liver was not amazing. Mm -hmm. It just did not perform well. Mm -hmm. And I had a predisposition for having skin issues. It made me feel better that it was so hard to work through, right? And why I had something, and maybe my friend so-and-so didn't have that. And we had the same situation. We're all programmed a little bit differently. But what we're doing, our lifestyle, our mindset, what we're putting in and on our body is going to basically help those genes work more efficiently or more slowly. So you're not stuck. I always call genes, the cards you're dealt in life, but you're not stuck with the cards you're dealt in life. You can play the hand differently, right? Like we're all dealt a set of cards. You can play the cards differently. And I mean, you really changed the way you played the cards. So you're in OC, you're living your best life. You're making some switches. You're starting to feel discontented. And there was a man I interviewed once called happily dissatisfied. And if we weren't happily dissatisfied, (laughs) then we would have never invented electricity or cars. And I'd love mm-hmm. that. So I know you're in Denver now. So let's talk about the transition from you're changing your own health. You're realizing your discontent in what you're doing. So at what point, because what you're doing now is not for the faint. It's not an easy thing to just do. Right. It's not like when you listen to this, you're going to say, I'm going to go do that same thing tomorrow. That doesn't happen like that. So I know you're outside of Denver now. And so tell us what happened next, essentially, like after you're better, after you're discontent with your job, what choices do you make next that bring you to where you are now?
1: Well, it was a journey. So I didn't just, oh, I'm an entrepreneur now and run to the hills and farm and it didn't happen that way. I started working up not in the corporate world, but I work with people that are franchise owners and I did start helping like martial arts federations. So I still kept my business side, but I was like, okay, I'm more into yoga, I'll do nutrition on the side. It all evolved when I tell people, because people are like, oh, Jackie, well, I'm just going to start tomorrow. Mine was an evolving journey. I did get out of the corporate world. That helped. I did start doing my business stuff with more people in the holistic sector, which was great. I started doing my own DIY products, and then I was peddling products, I call it, you know, as a hobbyist. Oh, I have that oil. Oh, I have that scrub. I had that nutrition knowledge, and I was doing everything like, as my side hustle, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like using the word. And I wasn't fully all in because I was like, well, I still have such a great knowledge base. I have such a good connection. And I was holding on to that business world so hard. But then in 2019, so this is 10 years later, you guys, have thought, uh, I was transitioning. Oh, nine, I was in one mindset. 2014, I started realizing, I think I can grow some of these herbs. So five years after that, I was like, I can grow them. And then I increasingly started doing hydroponics, aquaponics. Then I started getting into soil testing and pH. And then I got to 2015, another like five, six years later. And I'm like, well, I don't want to have a website, but I'm going to start selling more of my skin products and herbal products. But shish, don't tell anybody. It's, it's just, <laughs> this is just what I'm doing for you and your friends. And it just kept evolving to the point in 2019. I was like, there's something here. I'm getting consistent people ordering hundreds or even thousands of dollars for me a year. So this isn't a side hobby. This isn't an Etsy or pay referral thing. There's something here. So in 2019, I really decided that I'm like, nope, I'm going to break out on my own. I'm not going to keep just doing the corporate thing or I'm not going to just keep doing the business thing. I'm going to start doing more on a larger scale. I bought property in 2018. I bought property in 2019. I just bought some more in 2020. And I'm like, okay, I just kept slowly scaling it up. So I keep telling people, like it wasn't like I just started overnight and I just ran gung ho at it. It kept evolving. By then, it's like, now I have kids. Now I have a career. Now I'm a councilwoman. Everything just really evolved. Into what I'm doing now, and what I do now, I love. I farm, and like Oklahoma, I have farmland. I wildcraft, which if you don't know what that is, I wild gather. I go into the forest, I get different herbs. I'm also a seed saver, so I do that. I also replant, like during fire season, I replant because <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I go get my seeds that I got and I put them back in the ground and compost them, and I'm like, see you next year. I do that. My kids, like I said, with the evolving, I have two children now. So I got a seven-year-old and three-year-old. They wildcraft. They grow. They compost with me. And it's quite funny that my kids are like, this is normal. We just see save. And that's what you do. And we hike. And we're always doing that. It's, it's normal for us. And then in Colorado, I live at 9,000 in elevation because I have a whole nother atmosphere. There, so I have a greenhouse. And then I have more mountain perennials, the yarrows and stuff that's more drought resistant, the mullen, the singing nettle. So I have certain crops up there. And then I have my greenhouse to do things. So I know it's a whole mouthful. I do a lot of things. But like I said, it all came full circle because I started adding my children in. Yeah. And I think that's what may have slowed my journey. Because it's like when you're married and it's with you and or whatever is different. But when you have kids. I slowed things down because I was trying to be a responsible parent. I'm putting air quotes out. You guys can't see it. I was trying to be responsible. You got to have something secure for your children. Uh, So it's been a big evolving process.
2: I know. I wish we could clone you. So I was actually going to (laughs) ask about what it's like to plant at 9,000 feet because even where I live is pretty chilly. And Mm -hmm. so your growing season is low. And so we do have a greenhouse about a mile away at the farm. And I'm not like you. I still don't have a very green thumb. I'll work on that. I'll continue to work on that. But the other thing I really appreciated about what you just shared in your journey was the year benchmarks. And I think that's important. Mm -hmm. I always ask people, what year are we in? Right? For context, like help me understand where you're at. And it is over time. And we can't just like wait and things happen, of course, like you made all of these things happen, but it is, it isn't really quick right? And I love that you knew exactly what yours. So you kind of shared a little bit what thrives at 9,000 feet. I'm curious how you manage. You mentioned off air, you have some farmland in Oklahoma. What are the things that are growing there? And how do you manage a space so far from you in Colorado?
1: So I lean towards perennials. And people don't know what perennials are. It's the things that come up every single year. You plant it, you forget it, it comes back. People like annuals. I do calendula, which is that comes up in the year and then it's gone that year and I got to replant it. But I lean towards the perennials because I believe that there's something about the soil and there's something about that plant that gives it resistance, just some resistance to environmental things. So for me, I'm really big on sustainability, not just in life, balancing my work-life balance and my career. But I like plants that are resistant. And after you plant it, you can forget it. Like a peppermint is going to be there. A catnip is going to be there. A lavender is going to be there. Yarrow, metal. So I lean more to that side because it's sustainable, not just for if I have to travel, it'll be fine. And then a lot of those perennials are, Pest resistance, you don't have to worry about the pests, or they actually repel pests. And then, like, if deer come through my yard, they're not going to eat up my mullet, you know? <laughs> like, they're not going to go and pull all of those things out. So, I lean more to what is sustainable. And those herbs, they've been around for so long. Like, they have so many different properties. I mean, yarrow root, yarrow was like Tylenol. That's what you can use it as Tylenol herbally. And those red roots, if you pull them out, that actually has a little numbing effect. It actually numbs it if you like lick it. After you clean it, like it'll numb your tongue. So I have leaned towards the perennials because it's just way more sustainable, especially at the higher elevation in Colorado. And then I can also take those same herbs down to a lower elevation and more sustainable. So that's a little about more what I do. I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's not the fun stuff. And I'm like, I still grow lettuce and cucumbers and zucchinis and all of those things. But when it comes to my skincare and herbal stuff, I go to the perennials because they're just more sustainable to grow. Yeah. Um, and Oklahoma, I like it there because there's a totally different level of planting there because there's more plentiful of water. Nine elevation, we don't get much water. Very hot things can burn up (laughs) in Oklahoma We get more rain. So I'm getting everything that I need there. But there's also a lot of echinacea there. So if I don't grow echinacea, you can go to Oklahoma. And there's like five different kinds of echinacea that grow there. And they are big as my hand. The flowers are big as my hand, just wildly on the side of the road. I find that so fascinating. And there I can see three foot echinacea plants with flowers big as my hand. I don't know any other place that you can go and see that on the side of the road. Wild raspberries and honeysuckles. And so the plants are different there. So that's a little about what I see.
2: Yeah. Is that part of the reason why you decided, Hey, I want to also have an arm or an extension in Oklahoma because you thought, okay, if I have this diversity in climate, right? And I've seen these things grow wild, is that kind of where that came from or was there other rationale?
1: I grew up there. So. As a child, I used to run five acres and ride people's horses bareback. And then we moved to the city. And I've always been like, Oh, I'll be back there one day. (laughs) But my son actually brought it up. We went back to see family, family he had never met before. And he says, Mommy, why don't we have land here? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) He's sick. I was like, I don't know. He's like, is "Is (laughs) it expensive here? Because my son's homeschooled. So he's little, his thinking differently. And I'm like, I don't think it's expensive here. I can look it up. And then I'm like, oh, it's not. <laughs> so maybe this would be a good investment for me to have. So when I initially bought the land, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good investment. And then I didn't realize how many perennial herbs were there. I didn't realize the sustainability of water there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh, this could actually scale my business up to be more sustainable. And I started purchasing more land. And that's how that evolved. Hmm. So it wasn't so,
2: my idea. It was my son. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love full it. Credit. It was my six year old sons. I'll give him a stake in the company. Uh, so I would love to know because there's a lot going on. And so I'm wondering how you block or make good use of time. Because mm-hmm. it's a different style to grow and to harvest versus to process mm-hmm. and produce and then market the products. I mean, this is Again, not for the faint of heart. Most people, if okay. I look at a farmer, usually the majority, I mean unless you're literally going to farmer's markets, and those that are, I think you need to go out and visit so you can understand mm-hmm. sometimes how what this looks like. So I'm wondering if you spend a certain, if you, during the growing seasons, you grow... And then you harvest at harvest. And then you spend the off-season, air quotes again, the off-season or more like the winter. And I know you have different lengths of growing season, Mm -hmm. Colorado, but generally, we both have a winter and a summer. So if you're spending the winter, then using those dried herbs to make things or if you're making them all season long, because you do have a demand you're trying to keep up with at this point, too.
1: Right. So... I do have other farmers, which I give shout outs to them, that if I'm feeling low or I'm like, oh my gosh, fire season, I do have those backups, but I tend to go to the small, so I'm not buying people from like mountain roads and mm-hmm. frontier, and I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but during this whole journey of me changing and doing stuff, I was drying and harvesting and seed saving a lot, so I think I got ahead of the curve. My slow progress to me being on my own, I think helped <laughs> because i have that but in colorado typically it sounds weird because just where i'm at with the winters i only have like three to four months of growing season there and wild crafting season because it pops up because even in june we can get hail like just random hail so i only have about four months of doing things so i'm moving at a very rapid pace it's like greenhouse this gathering okay this is actually really high or i'm like okay chop it down Put compost on it. Like, so I'm doing stuff rapidly. My kids, you know, this is like, that's what mommy does. <laughs> She's just always covered in dirt, you know, and it is what it is. But in Oklahoma, it's less rushed because I can wild crab. And like I said, even if I'm not there, it's perennial. Nothing's going to happen to the yarrow. Nothing's going to happen to the lavender. It's there. So if I do go, I can harvest a lot, dry it out in batches. I do a lot of stuff in batches, but a lot of times people are just like, oh, I just get it. It's lavender. I actually inspect the lavender. I'm looking at the pH of the soil. What's the soil content look like? My son can turn around and say, those flowers aren't as big as those flowers. Why is that? It's usually because there's something missing in the soil. Or if we did get a yard pest, my son can spot it now, which I think is pretty cool. (laughs) I'm like, what's wrong with that soil? What does that look like? So, it's really about batching, but like you said, it's not for the faint-hearted. Like, it, it's just not. It's a part of my life. I enjoy being outside. Like, if people see me in the summertime, I'm very dark because I am outside a lot. Even if I wear my hat, I enjoy it. I enjoy hand mixing compost. I enjoy testing pH. I enjoy seeing that those calendula flowers are more orange than yellow. What was the difference? I seed save and seed sort that. So I have really integrated what I do with wilding botanicals, herbs and stuff into my life. It really is my life. So I think that's why what I do is different is because I don't separate it from my life. Yeah, my, there's not my kids can help. You know, my kids can help. They understand they still have fun and play dates. And sometimes they're just riding their bicycles. But it's integrated to all aspects of my life.
2: There's not necessarily long vacations in the summer at the Johnson household because yeah. that's not how it yeah. works when you... But your life is a something you love. And I'm just looking at you here with admiration. Like, oh, it's very romantic type of... Type of con- <laughs> like, I mean, it's it feels like the farming and the growing and the herbs for me is just like this. It's like a romance story, right? <laughs> of like loving the land and loving what you're doing.
1: Well, and I think... I mean, I always like to tell people this, like if i had in a face-to-face conversation, that this is not face-to-face on a podcast me doing what I do changed my life. It didn't affect my life. It changed my life. If I can do this and show my kids, they don't have to farm. They don't have to do all aspects of it. My son, he'll probably farm and do the business side of it because he has even formulated his own products from seeing what I was doing. He's there. My daughter. She's probably going to want to do the business side and she's probably going to be like, yeah, that doesn't look right. I'm not going to help you do it. But my journey has changed my life. And when I get people testimonials coming back saying, thank you for that free sample. I gave it to my mother and it helped her or, oh, my hair fell out. I went through that journey and I see other people's lives change. That is why I continue. It's not just about me. The impact on our lives and changing our lives. I feel like we're called to do that for others. I feel like we're called to keep that going because if I didn't stumble upon that, where would I be now? If I didn't put that product out there and that service to someone, where would they be? How hopeless would they feel? Would they have someone that would support and talk about self-care and hold their hand? So my products and what I do is no longer about me. It really is a movement. It really is a movement. When people are saying, I don't go to the dermatologist anymore. I'm not dropping $700 a month on prescription. That impacts me to an emotional level mm-hmm. because yeah. I was there.
2: And you radiate joy and beauty, just so you know. Oh,
1: thank you. So I get all misty sometimes. I'm just like, I love that. And yeah. I get those DMs. I read my DMs. I read my emails. And when they say that, thank you for doing what you did, that makes it worth it if I make $0. Yeah. That makes it worse. I love it.
2: You are truly living in your purpose for sure.
1: Sorry, I'm like, oh.
2: No, I love it. About. It's so great. This is why you got the invite to come on the show because I'm like, oh, <laughs> she just when she speaks, I want to hear this story. I actually have, you know, a thousand other questions I'm not asking. I could come to the farm and ask. I'm just truly a very curious person. So there's so many things we could cover. And I would love to hear about, let's say, three of some of your favorite herbs. Because herbs are so cool. They're multidimensional. They never do one function. They do so many things.
1: I still love lavender. <laughs> I still love lavender, but I like mullein. People are like, those are ugly little weeds. I love <laughs> Like They're really tall. I picked them that are eight feet tall and I see it and they have fuzzy little leaves. It's like nature's toilet paper. That's what some people call it. It's super funny. <laughs> it's nature's toilet paper. If you're on a hike, find some mullen, you'll be all right. <laughs> But it's so good for just the respiratory, it helps with gut health, it stimulates like hair growth, or just deciding some different inflammation things in your body. No, I'm not a doctor. So don't be like, oh, she's saying that Joe Mullen's going to change your life. Change mine, talk to your, you know, physician, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they'll talk to you. But Mullen, yarrow, and things in the mint family, peppermint, spearmint, catnip, nettles. Those are where I just love that mint family. And it's so diverse. And like I said, the perennials, they do stuff inside and out, you know, head to toe. So I would just say the mint family, I know that sounds random to say the mint family. So you got your peppermint, you have your spearmint. Spearmint is more rich in menthol. So when people are like, oh, I have, you know, the? I just lean more towards the more menthol strong stuff. So I go to spearmint. Stinging nettle is in the mint family. It kind of tastes minty. And I like that. So if you touch stinging nettle, it does sting. That's why it's called that. So please do, do not touch the flowers on the nettle plant. It will tingle for several hours. <laughs> Just word of warning. And then catnip is in that kind of family. So first it knows, like, oh, catnip, why would it be in that family? But my friend it smelling, he's like, this smells minty. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so there's different kinds of catnip. So peppermint, spearmint, you know, those are the mint things. But when you get to the catnip and stinging metal, they have similar properties as well.
2: I love stinging metal as well, but I'm used to herbs not in their raw form as well. I mean, I started a very extensive herbal class and did not... Here's why I admire you so much. I am very fully aware of how many bajillion hours you've spent on this (laughs) because... My mother is a master gardener and her daughter Mm -hmm. does not have a great green (laughs) thumb because I'll try things. (laughs) I had like a a tower garden and I was doing pH stuff and I still was like, it's fine.
1: fine. I still do. And I don't use their nutrients. Sorry. You know, juice plus. I just don't use their nutrients. I do my own compost tea and that's why my stuff is bigger. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. But I think it's just the hours, was like you said bazillion i haven't even logged my hours i don't even see it that way it's your life Um, it's your life's work yeah it's life you know and just like distilling, i'm gonna get more and more into distilling, and i want to do it on a larger scale so i want like a hundred gallon distiller people are like that's ridiculous and i'm like oh that's a small distiller 100 gallon small (laughs) so i think it all evolved you know Mm -hmm. but People that want to get into gardening or farming or whatever, urban farming, all these new towns that are new in the last five years, just pick three things that you like and grow them. You don't have to learn 15 things. I know a lot, but I don't know everything. I have the things that I like, and I think the things that are sustainable crops Mm -hmm. for me, the sustainable things I can use in my supplements and and oils, and that's where I stick with. I just, I just stick with those things. You don't yeah. have to be jack of all
2: trades, master of them all. <laughs> okay. No, I love that. I really love when we try to promote if this was simple, how could you do it? So finally, because we talked about our favorite herbs and I know your journey was interesting and I know that you developed products probably as a result of I tried this on myself and liked it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious what's the one that tugs at your heartstrings that you've kind of developed or even like the bestseller? So I'm
1: like, I guess, Two things. I was like, I like the facial serum because that's calendula in it. You know, nature's vitamin C. I always say that. Nature's vitamin C. People are like, oh, citrus. And I'm like, no, calendula. I like that flower. It's very gentle. I love infusing it. I love the smell of it. Adding it to like an avocado oil and grape seed oil. It just absorbs well. All my stuff is very high concentrated. So I always tell people, put like five drops on your face. See how it absorbs. Rub it in. And then put more on. Don't put a dropper on your face. You may be looking very shiny. You don't have to do that to yourself. But that's one of my best sellers. People really tend to go with the calendula facial serum because it has a lot of calendula in it. And then, like I said, I had skin rashes and all that. So I'm all about the calming and adding nutrients in and being as gentle as possible. And then the hair growth kind of oil things called growth now that at that point I just like the formulation like all the rosemary the mullein the nettle, all of those ingredients and peppermint I grow those so that is probably the, my longest perfected formulation all the uh-huh. way down to I have mullein root extract in it the mullein and beef oil I have mulle, like it, there's just so many things people are like that that's a lot of ingredients and I'm like yeah but that's my baby it took years of evolving into what people get now and I I really love those two products and they're also my top sellers as well I love it man I could
2: talk to you I could really what I would like to do is come visit the farm because that sounds yeah
1: and soon I'm like I'm breaking more ground and that's soon as in like the first week of March you'll see more lives of me out there because that's where I would be yeah, that's where i be. I just got two and a half acres cleared last week, actually. So you will see more of me. Yeah. You, I'll be live. I'll drive, and you can see the rolling hills and the canopy trees Beautiful. over the, the. So we'll be there, and then I will have to bring you out so you can experience wild. I would love it.
2: Well, and if you could see Jackie uh, speaking of facials serum. And there's another herb company I have loved their facial serum, so I will try yours, but you can tell that it's great because you should see how beautiful her skin looks. So, uh, yeah. you know, when you nourish, like I know it you're nourishing from the inside and out, but it just really is very lovely. So, Jackie, thank you so much for coming on today. Where can people find you online?
1: I'm everywhere. <laughs> So on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, if you see wildling dreams, that's me. wildling
2: dreams. Yeah. Don't be looking (laughs) for Jackie Johnson. You might find 3000 of them, but wildling.
1: Hey, I actually have like wildling dreams, wildling herbs, wildling botanicals. They're all three me. Um, And then if you do Jackie Johnson CEO, you'll find me as well. Because I have people like, there's a lot of Jackies. And I'm like, yeah, but do they put CEO with their name? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so if you do miss put CEO, it'll all come up.
2: Perfect. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on today. I hope we get to have another conversation
1: later. For sure.